Good morning. Good to see you all. I am Lynn Kitchens, but I'm actually now known as the parakeet lady. <laughs> I've had more people come up and say, were you the parakeet lady in that video? Uh, Jenny wrote that. It was sure fun to be in it. It is great to see everyone back for um, just our study of Proverbs and learning how to be wise from it. One of my friends sent me an email saying, she wrote at the bottom of the email, isn't it great to be studying wisdom? W-I-S-D-O-M-E. <laughs> I couldn't pass it up. I gave her a very hard time about it. But the reality is, uh, to be up here speaking about wisdom is very humbling because I've mostly just been thinking of all the unwise things I've done in my life and the unwise things I continue to do in my life. So I was going down that discouraging road, and then I decided to look at it in a different way. Instead of getting discouraged, I began to thank God for the miracle I've ever done anything wise in my whole life. Think about it. Really, apart from God, we uh, would have no depth of wisdom. We would not be able to approach life in any kind of wisdom. It's only the grace and the compassion of God because you and I were not born with wisdom. It did not come alive and well in our souls when we were born, left to ourselves when we rely on our own judgment. The Bible tells us we are lost, we are in darkness, we are enslaved to the wisdom of this world. Now, when I was young, and maybe your mom did this, and I wanted to do something all my friends were doing, you all know what I'm going to say, and my mom didn't want me to, and then she would say, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you... Oh, she said that to me so many times. I do actually remember going to my bedroom once, lying down on the bed and thinking, yes. <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> so I realized I was smart enough to know how dumb I was. Without a godly compass, which is the living God, in our hearts, the wrong path seems right, the right path seems wrong, and we get to the end of the path, and then we're surprised to find heartache and darkness and separation from God. Look on your verse sheet at Proverbs 14:2. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. This verse is not about being tricked. This verse is about someone choosing to walk down a highway with a bunch of other unbelievers who have chosen to rely on their own wisdom and reject the wisdom of God. And when they come to the end of it, they're surprised to discover they have been on a highway to death. There is no book. There is no person, there is no seminar that can impart perfect wisdom to us because only God is 100% wisdom, perfectly wise, today and tomorrow. So if we want to get wisdom, we have to get God. So let's look in Proverbs, turn to chapter 2.
The reason we get God is verse 6 tells us the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we have to, first of all, pursue wisdom diligently because wisdom produces a faith that receives God's word. And I've heard of many wonderful believers that were surprised to find God when they were actually on a search of truth and wisdom. C.S. Lewis being one of those people. The person who looks out at the world and grieves over it and sees it as fruitless and meaningless and darkness and they decide not to walk that dark path because it doesn't satisfy them, they will find that when they are searching for the light, that it is actually a path to God. Look at verses 1 through 6. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, this individual is not the complacent person that just goes through life and is jumping off of every bridge that everybody else is jumping off of. This person values wisdom and truth above their own pleasures and their own selfishness. And you see in these verses, they are diligently working to become wise. In fact, their entire body is involved. Their ears are inclined to hear it. Their eyes are searching. Their heart is applied to wisdom. And when that's the case, guess who is waiting at the crossroads to steer them out of the darkness onto a path of light? They got God. Because he is the author of wisdom. He is the giver of wisdom. And in that light, we will learn to fear the Lord, which Deb spoke about means to revere and be in awe of who he really is. And we will discover the knowledge that, oh my gosh, we have a creator who has a plan. Ted's brother, uh, Andy, did not know the Lord when I first married Ted, and he was a single guy, and he lived in Houston, and he used to fly up and visit us sometimes for the weekend. Now, Ted, in his years of ministry, would say to people, hey, people searching, hey, read this book. And he'd see him two weeks later, and they'd say, oh, I never got, I never got that book. Well, read this chapter in the Bible. What? I don't have a Bible, but I'm searching for truth. Well, Andy would come, and Ted would say, well, read this book. Andy called two days later. Okay, read it. Okay, read this book. Andy called two more days. Okay, I read it. Okay, read the book of John. Ted's thinking month will go by. I read it. So the next time he came to visit us, I remember they were upstairs and Ted came down in the kitchen. I said, what, what are you doing? He goes, well, I don't know. I mean, I've never had someone pursue wisdom and actually read everything. <laughs> I've told him to read it. I can't think of one more thing to tell him. I said, what about telling him about Jesus? And he said, okay. And he ran back upstairs. <laughs> and Andy came to Christ that day and is this wonderful God follower uh, and is here in this church. 
This is a true statement, but it's a mystery. Wisdom introduces us to God, and God introduces us to wisdom. More wisdom than we ever knew was possible. The mysteries of God. Because every person who comes to their creator has some level of wisdom because we are choosing light over darkness. We are placing our faith in a revealed creator. And then we receive his wisdom. And then we also have to give attention to God's visual aids that portray his wisdom. Romans 1 tells us his creation. If you look at God's creation, his qualities are displayed there. When you see a bird, a flower, a mountain, a tree, a cloud. When I was working on this lesson, we live a little bit in the country, and they were actually outside my window, on my lawn, lying there to rest for the afternoon, a doe, a doe, and four baby fawns. It was so awesome because it was a display of God's beauty and goodness. Look at Romans 1. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. When God created everything he created, it says in the book of Genesis, he stepped back and pronounced it good. Why was it good? Because he created it wisely. Look at chapter 8. Verse 22, chapter 8. The Lord brought me forth, this is um, wisdom he's speaking about, as the first of his works before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters wouldn't overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I, wisdom, was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Awesome verses. Wisdom is spoken of here figuratively, and she is a personification of God's attribute of wisdom. Before creating the universe, God appointed or installed wisdom even before the world began. It existed. It's always existed in the character of God. One person said this, God, who is ever wise, produced wisdom. That's why we know it's been here from the beginning. In fact, in a lot of translations, the verse begins with, God possessed me. This is an attribute of God. And we know from these verses, since wisdom claimed credit for everything God created, we can know wisdom was first as God was first. But in these verses, God shines a spotlight on his attribute of wisdom because he's dealing with creation.
In fact, turn back, leave your finger in 8, and turn back at chapter 3, and we'll see how he shines that spotlight. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations, verse 19. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. If you go back to chapter 8, you realize there's even um, the picture of the chronological creation story, at least part of it in these verses in chapter 8. It starts at the beginning of creation, day 1. Then we see waters are formed, day 2, and then the land was formed. Day three, that was all a part of God's wise plan. And when we look at it, we see the imprint of wisdom upon creation. And I love how they want you to visualize wisdom as a craftsman in these verses. You know, the word craftsman can mean two things. One is an artisan. One is a darling child. And we see both of them. In these verses in chapter 8, we see the artistic skill of wisdom as he's creating things from the hills to the heavens to the mountains to the oceans, from the borders of the oceans, the foundations of the earth, and finally, you and I, mankind. And then that's the artistic side of wisdom. And then it says that God's wisdom rejoiced. And delighted in what he had made like a darling little child who's overwhelmed with excitement. Two ways we can look at wisdom. Artism and a darling child. Okay, his son. We know the greatest visual aid of God the Father is God the Son. Jesus displays the wisdom of God like nothing else can. God sent Jesus so we can get God. Look on your verse sheet at Corinthians 1. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. God knew we were born with this sin nature. He knew he would have to provide a way for us to have a relationship with him because he is holy and perfect. So we sent Jesus, his son, for this very reason, to pay the price for our sins. Jesus bore those sins on the cross. And then he cried out, it is finished. And he went back to be with his father, finished. The wise work God had sent him to do to provide a way for us to become a child of God when we believe in this sacrifice and when we receive him as our Savior, we get God. Look at John 1. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. When we look at Jesus, we have to see the wisdom and provision of God. And I thought about this. You know, we can get God by looking at his creation and appreciating and realize there's a creator. And we can get God when we read his wise words, which a lot of people do. But if you stop there, you don't get to God. Jesus is the only way to get to God. Look at John 14. 
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, we have to get growing because guess what? Now that we've got God, are we wise beyond our wildest imaginations? No, yes, we wish. I came to Christ when I was 14 and um, someone told me the story of Solomon. And I remember running home and thinking, if Solomon can pray for wisdom, I can pray for wisdom. And I got down on my knees and I prayed, God, make me wise like Solomon. And I woke up the next day, I think I ran to the mirror thinking my head would be bigger. My brain had expanded. I did not know that it takes effort and discipline and work to grow wise as God wants us to be. But we are born with a sin nature And even though it doesn't have dominion over our lives anymore, it is still there. And it can try to get us to behave and act and think in ways as if we don't have the living, wise God in our hearts at all. We have to get growing. So to get away from this wisdom of the world, we have to grow in the knowledge of of God and gain the wisdom of God. Look at Colossians 1.10. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I thought to myself, this is where everybody's going to start yawning. Oh, Christianity 101, you have to grow. We all know that. Okay, but Proverbs has some things to teach us about. Maybe we can look at it in a different way. So let's start with one of our favorite verses that I think teaches us to get off the throne. Proverbs 3. A lot of you could say this by heart. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Okay, I've mentioned before that I always have loved in the Campus Crusade materials, they have a book, and one of the illustrations shows a person who does not know Christ. So we get a look into their heart, and in the center of the heart is a throne, and who's sitting on the throne? Well, the person themselves. Because they're controlling their life. It's their wisdom, their direction. They're doing whatever they want. They're getting their selfish needs met, going about their way. Now, when someone comes to Christ, you should look back in that heart and look on the throne. And there should be a cross on it because Jesus is controlling our life. But what do we like to do as Christians? I'm a hop up and down and up and down, depending on the situation, depending how I'm feeling, depending on what I want. These verses tell us that our lives have to be a constant discipline of allowing Jesus to be the Lord of our life and staying on that throne. So verse 5 tells us to trust And it's partnered with the word leaning. Trust is a conscious dependence on God as as believing as if you leaned against a tree and knew that it wasn't going to fall down. 
That's how strong our trust needs to be. And I thought to myself, how do we do that? When our child's rebellious, when a relationship is not going like we like, when our money's an issue, when I'm about to lose my job, how do I just lean back on God, trusting in him? So verse 6 tells us the answer. We acknowledge God in all these things. Now, this is more than a nod of recognition. If you came to Christ and you've never grown from that point on, and all you can do is have a nod of recognition to your Savior, then you aren't going to have anything to lean on because you won't know Him. This word acknowledge means intimacy. Understanding the character of God, studying Him, knowing who He really is. We learn this through prayer and Bible study and the spiritual disciplines. And when we begin to have a little bit of a grasp of the character of our Savior, and the wisdom of our God, then we all of a sudden begin to realize, I can trust him not just for my salvation. I can trust him for the direction of my life. What an understanding. Growing in the knowledge of God. Verse 7 reminds us, don't be prideful about your own wisdom. True wisdom is coming humbly to God and recognizing that my wisdom in no way comes close to the wisdom of God. Look at Romans 11. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. These verses tell us in there, verse 7, This is our only other option. If we're not going to trust God, we're going to trust ourselves. We're going to get back on the throne and believe in our own ability to walk through life. And guess what? Then we will suffer the consequences of depending on a fleshly, fallen wisdom. Jeremiah 10 says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his own steps. So in order to keep Christ on the throne, we have to seek his wisdom and his direction, set aside our foolish plans. And don't you love um, what he promises here? He's going to make our paths straight. This is not just about guidance. This is about getting all the obstacles off the path that keep us from living the life, the abundant life that God wants us to live. Trusting in him, leaning in him, those obstacles begin to be removed and we walk in the confidence of God. And these verses tell us, verse 8, you will be healthier. Okay, I think this is physically and spiritually. Because don't you know what it's like when you're sitting on your little throne and all these things are bombarding you in these Burdens and these hardships, and if you take it all on yourself, it begins to crush your spirit, and you begin to get spiritually and physically sick. We have to get off the throne. We have to get under his hand as well. 
Uh, when I was growing up, I had a sister two years older than me, and we shared a bedroom my whole life. And we didn't even talk to each other all day long. She had her friends, I had my friends. Then we'd get in our room at night. You know, we're supposed to be going to sleep. And so my mom would come in, I don't know how many times, quit talking, quit talking and go to sleep. And we'd kind of just watch her leave the room and we'd start talking again. I had a twin bed here. My sister had a twin bed on the other wall. But then my dad would walk in the room. And we would get very quiet. I did not want my dad to discipline me. That was true. He would come in the room, and this is what he would do. He'd start to take his belt off. And we would start screaming, No, Daddy! No, Daddy! No! He'd look at us a while, put his belt back on, walk out of the room. Now, now what I think, he never once took that belt off. But it was disciplined enough that he did this and looked at us and left the room and we would go right to sleep after my dad left. God has a plan for us to grow. It involves discipline. And here's what we want to do. No, Father, no, Father, no, no. It's part of the way we gain the wisdom of God. We've got to get under his hand. Chapter 3, verse 11. My son, don't despise the Lord discipline and don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Okay, there's a twofold warning in this verse. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Despise meaning reject it. And don't resent it, resent meaning loathe it. Now, it would be impossible not to reject and despise the wisdom of God if we didn't know the next verse. When we are disciplined, it demonstrates God's great love for us like a father disciplining their child and that it's the child they love and delight in. And we make this horrible mistake. We make the mistake of thinking, it's because God's mad at me. It's because God's cruel. And this leads us to bitterness and anger. Because we are assuming God's discipline is simply punishment. But you know what? That's what we do. (laughs) That's what we're like. That is not what God is like. He has a plan in the discipline. He has a purpose in the discipline. His corrections are pure and perfect and covered in his love for us. And write the word purposeful next to that line. I meant to have that in there. If we really believe that, that he has our best in mind, and here, by the way, is what he has in mind, our holiness, our righteousness, our Christ-likeness, our growth. When we know that, who wouldn't want to submit to the hand of discipline from a father as loving as that? When we won't be the same, we will be better when we submit to him. Look at Hebrews 12. 
God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Okay, were you not amazed looking at our homework of all the blessings of wisdom? I mean, we didn't even look them all up. I think you're probably tired of looking them up. But, oh, wow, what a gift from God to us. I'm just thanking him for it. These blessings truly change our lives, change how we live our lives, change what our life is going to look like and how we are going to um, feel as we go through this life. He is so generous to us. I want to just pull out a few of the blessings this morning. When we are wise, we receive understanding and discretion. Turn to chapter 2. Verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. So here's the order in these verses. God's wisdom enters our hearts. And in the book of Proverbs, heart means our whole inner being, our mind, our emotions, our will. And when it's in our heart, we have the ability to understand, it says, which means to discerningly comprehend. What do we comprehend? Righteousness, justice, Fairness. The scales are taken off our eyes and we begin to see what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. That's why we wonder sometimes about those who don't know God. We scratch our head and say, why can't they see that? They can't see that. They cannot see that apart from the wisdom of God. A gift to us. Awesome. And then he says, we'll also understand the good path, which is the proper course of conduct. The proper course of conduct. How huge for our life. Also dwelling in this heart is discretion. This is the perception of right and wrong. The ability to know truth. And we read here, it protects us from the evils around us. What does all this feel like? Pleasant, pleasant, all the way down to our soul. That's what life can feel like. What a gift from God. Every day we can be preserved from spiritual and moral and physical perils. And that feel-good feeling will cover our whole body. When we are wise, we receive security. Look at chapter 3. 21. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. You will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. 
We are privileged to be instructed by the wisdom that created and sustains the entire world. Verse, one, verse 21 says, preserved it. Preserve that wisdom. Deb spoke last week about the fact that Solomon, who wrote most of these Proverbs, at the end of his life began to loosen his grip on God's wisdom. He wasn't preserving it. He began to disobey him with foreign wives and foreign gods. What was the result of that? The disaster to Israel. The destruction of Israel. Security was gone from that nation. It takes effort to preserve the wisdom of God. Obedience, humility, prayer. And when we do, these verses tell us, it will be like wearing a beautiful necklace around our neck when we have preserved wisdom. So what does that mean to us? It means... When I have security, I live my life in faith and not in fear. What a huge gift from God. Nothing's more beautiful than that. And according to these verses, it means knowing God's directing my steps, sleeping in God's arms at night peacefully, not being overwhelmed when disasters strike, understanding my confidence comes in God alone. That's security. We have a mom's, in a mom's group I've been in for probably 20 years now. And our mom's group's been walking through this woman in our group. Her brother has Lou Gehrig's disease probably the last year. So she has watched his life entirely deteriorate. We've got to be a part of it in the sense of praying and keeping updates and having specific prayers. So we went from a man who went to work each day and walked out the door to a man who slowly couldn't walk, to a man put in a wheelchair, to a man who worked at home and then couldn't work at home, to a man who couldn't use his arms, to a man who had trouble breathing, um, and now to a man who can't even talk. So she came to our moms two days ago and said, you know, he can't talk anymore, but he smiles a lot. And one of us in the group said, why? Why is he smiling? Everything's been taken away from him. His security, his confidence was in God alone. And so he actually has no fear for the disease that is destroying his body. What a great living example. We all just wanted to cry because he doesn't even realize how he has boosted our faith as we've watched this man. She said, well, he likes to smile. Every day he says life is a gift to him. That's security. Supernatural security. Okay, receive great friendships. Chapter 2. Verse 12, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Okay, four things here. The evil man, watch out for. 
They speak perverse things, untrue things. They leave the path of light and they walk in the dark path. They love doing evil. They rejoice over it. They behave in wicked and devious ways. And guess what? You may know some of these people. They may even be in your life and you can love them, but they will not be your best friends. God has a better plan. If we preserve wisdom, we will have different friends. Now, I learned this the hard way as a junior in high school. I was a part of a choir all through high school because our choir was pretty well known. And if you got to be in it your senior year, even though I didn't sing very well, then you got to travel to other countries. They, they performed all over, and I just thought, that's what I want to do. So our junior year, the junior choirs going to the University of Illinois for a weekend to perform and whatever. And I had my two sets of friends, my Christian friends saying, room with us, and my non-Christian friends, room with us. And I made the wrong choice. I thought they may be more fun. <laughs> this was a great lesson in my life. So we go to the University of Illinois. My lost friends immediately begin doing these four things. Lying, looking to get into trouble, running away from our teacher. And then they realized I was tagging along, so they'd have to lie to me. Oh, she said we didn't have to be at that. She said, go here. She said... Well, meanwhile, they've been searching the campus for us for two hours. I find a way to get back to the hotel, and I'm pacing the floor, guilty, nervous, thinking, where is everyone? My friends are, whoo-hoo. They didn't care. My teacher comes, takes me in the room, says, Lynn, I'm sorry for you, but you are guilty by association. You caused us a lot of trouble for the night. You're all packing your bags. You're going home the next morning. I wish I had a video of it. Because all the choir lined up in a line, including my Christian friends. <laughs> I've got my little bags. <laughs> Walking to the car, weeping, weeping. Get on the bus, weeping. Guess what my friends, so-called friends, are doing? Partying on the bus, dancing, singing, doing these things, rejoicing. And doing evil. And because I wasn't preserving wisdom in that situation, none of us got to be in the senior choir the next year. And it was no loss really for the choir. But <laughs> I'm glad it happened because it really taught me a great lesson. God had already given me the friends that come along with wisdom. I should have been with them. Wisdom saves us from these kind of people. The wise person will have wise friends. Look at verse 20 in chapter 2. You will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless, blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be turned from it. When we walk wisely, we look up and suddenly realize I'm surrounded by some pretty great, wise people. What a gift from God. 
And here's the illustration used in these verses. Under the law of Moses, there were people that were rewarded with a place of security in the land of Canaan. It showed God's favor. But those who were wicked were not allowed and were cast out of the land. And I think this is the illustration. God desires to bless us with a land of wise, godly friendships and other Christians, just like the children of Israel, united in our devotion to God and a desire to serve him. What a great gift. We also then receive peace. Let's turn to chapter 3. Verse 16, woman, I mean, wisdom is depicted as a woman here. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Okay, so here's wisdom. One hand offering longevity. One hand offering riches and honor. But what good are those things in our life if we don't have the peace of God? What good is this quantity of a long, rich life if we don't have a quality of life? And so in these verses, wisdom who's doing this then points down to her feet. And we see she's standing on a path of peace. And she's pointed at it for us. We can also have peace. That's how generous wisdom is. And I like in this verse this picture of her becoming a tree. And so we embrace her. This is tight. This is grasping. She's like the tree of life in the Garden of Eden who brought true life. When we grasp wisdom tightly, we are finding the peace that is life indeed. Living a long life of peace is the greatest life we could have. So the question is, got wisdom? If you have it, count your blessings and don't let go. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are a wise God so we can trust you and follow you and believe that you have our best in mind. May you teach us to submit and to depend and understand who you are, that we can be who you want us to be. And all the things you want us to be are good. And we thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lance.